Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy, whether you are a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional. A show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Money across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Hey, Sam, how are you doing? Great, sir. Very, very well this week. Really excited again about this week's show. We're getting into the the middle of this Agile Marketing Action Plan. It's good, isn't it? It's coming together, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the the um the glue in a way the the theme that runs throughout all of it is what we're going to be talking about this week, and that's customer experience, and and that's very much about how your company meets or indeed doesn't meet the expectations from each interaction and every single touch point that you have throughout that journey um, with your customers, and and uh, so much of it is actually about perception rather than necessary reality. You've really got. To, delve into how they're perceiving those interactions. And that could be going into a physical store, or it could be um, how a matching process on a website works. But the the experience is really about the value that can sort of build up and accumulate throughout the whole of that journey, that end-to-end journey. Um, and and it can be incredibly powerful. So so this part of the, uh, the process is very much about exploring that and also understanding how that then leads on from someone um, taking that step from growth through to engagement and conversion. Um, so, so lots to cover in this, Sam. And, and I think one of the things that sort of strikes me is it's about saying goodbye to siloed thinking. That's how I sort of think about sort of customer experience. And, and I remember when I took on the role of Customer Experience Director at Inspired Gaming, it was a relatively new concept. We're talking about um, 2012 um, when that happened. And, and, it took, um, and it took quite a considerable amount of internal restructuring to achieve that. The responsibilities ranged across product, analytics, game design, marketing, operation, sales, creative design. And it was quite disruptive. Uh, uh, and actually, my boss at the time, uh, it, it caused quite a lot of friction within the organization as you're taking areas out of silo and, and giving them to me, uh, looking after it as part of that customer experience. And the point there, I think, is that although there was a lot of friction internally in terms of getting that right, and actually we struggled for a year or two to set that self up, the customer definitely benefited because what we were doing was reducing the friction, the friction points there. Um, and when you think think about it in terms of why and, and how it's important, um, you, you look at some of the data and some of the stats and 57% of customers aren't going to recommend a business with a poorly designed website. And, and actually, 59% of consumers who have experienced personalization says it has a noticeable impact on their purchasing. So two, two stats there, but it really does start to demonstrate that actually if you get the personalization right, um, it can have a significant effect. And if you get it wrong, then it has an even greater negative effect. And we'll come on to talk about that uh, a little bit more detail. And that companies that 
also, I think this is fan, um, fantastic, and, and you've certainly got a strong point of view on this, that the, we shouldn't forget the physical experience within this. Uh, companies that started online are expanding to physical stores with 850 digital native brick, brick and mortar stores expected to open, open in the next five years until 2024. So I think that's quite staggering as well, that when we're talking about customer experience, we're talking about the holistic experience, aren't we, Sam? Yeah. And when you're talking earlier about your experience at Inspired Gaming, it, it's consistent with the fact that 81% of companies view customer experience as a competitive differentiator. And that's some some research from Dimension Data a couple of years ago. And 80% of CEOs believe they deliver a superior experience, but only 8% of customers actually agree with that, which mm. is some, some Bain, Bain data. So, if, you know, you could say that too many companies still give customer experience lip service. They do this by appointing say, a chief customer officer or chief experience officer, hiring or promoting a chief customer officer or chief experience officer. The company makes it publicly seem like they understand the customer experience and they're working toward improving it, but it's often only a public gesture. And no, that's actually not me ranting. That's quote from Blake Morgan from a January 2020 piece that she wrote in Forbes magazine. And there's a sh there's data that shows there's actually quite a short tenure for chief customer officers, which sounds very similar to some of the experiences you're ha you having, because it does cause friction. The, the lack of resources, lack of support, the, the challenge of integrating it with the rest of the business, because you're basically breaking things and joining them up in a very different way. Yet, we know that companies do it well. Uh, some companies do it really well, and it's a strong part of their philosophy. I think at, at someone like Amazon, the cu customer experience feels like it's everyone's job. When I visited one of their sites in uh, New Jersey, US, in the USA, it was very loud and clear and very visible on signage and from the, the narrative of the, the person doing showing us around the, the, you know, the facilities in, and in terms of the, the walkthrough. And it was quite, rather actually gratuitous, the importance of, of customer service, but you could kind of feel it in the ether. And Amazon is spot on because data says that uh, customers tell an average of nine people about a positive experience with a brand, but they tell 16 people about a negative experience, and that's some Deloitte mm. research. And Microsoft um, data says, say, look, 77% of customers have a more favorable view of brands that actually ask for and accept customer feedback. So that two-way nature is so critical. But I think one thing we should quickly do here is to define and differentiate between customer experience and another expression, customer journey. They're often interrelated modern marketing activities. So a customer journey is more about the flow and the sequence of steps, interactions and decisions that a customer goes through with a company, a product or service. And then customer experiences, the interactions between a company and customer that lead to the customer's ongoing positive or negative perception of the brand or the company. So the experience is more about the perception. It may be actually be real, but what, what do you think that reality is? So that's the customer experience and what we'll focus on today. Yeah, good. And 86% of buyers will pay more for a better customer experience. So this isn't a, a um, just a, a retention sort of mechanic or, or strategy. This is very much about actually a growth strategy within that as well. And, and then another phrase that comes up a lot is around holistic customer experience. And, and I think that is important, actually, because it's about that 360 degree view and making sure that you're structuring the support around the entire journey rather than just one specific channel. And, and when the world is so competitive and there is just so much choice out there, uh, customer experience is, is everything in a way. 
um, companies and businesses have to look at it from a consumer or a customer point of view and adapt accordingly. And if they if customers don't see that the businesses in terms of individual teams or departments that that's an internal um, issue that we have. No one cares that the reason why customer service isn't lined up with your marketing messages is, is that they're in a separate office and on a different floor and you haven't had your team meeting for a week. No one cares about that. They expect you to to do the work. Um, and and I think one of the things that sort of strikes me as well is actually a lot of this is almost like a matrix. It's that interconnectivity of, of things. Uh, it's a um, main character in sort of Dirk Gently, so uh, defined holistic as that interconnectivity. Um, it's looking at the bigger picture and understanding how it all fits together. I love the pop culture reference there of Dirk Gently. I haven't actually watched it yet, though, Chris, so, <laughs> so, so I'll have to check it out on Netflix, I guess. Indeed, yeah, that's, that's one, one for the list. So, Sam, let's, let's, get, let's get to the practical plan. Let's um, run through the steps. And I think the first one is about making customer experience everyone's job. It's not a department or only the CEO or indeed the, the customer experience director. Um, it is very much an every job for every person within the organization. And that, of course, is how do you then ensure that that happens? And it's about creating a clear customer experience vision. And that's about making sure that that customer focus is, is totally into the DNA of the, the organization, um, making sure that is linked into the values that you have. Uh, for example, a Zappos use their core family values and and these values are embedded into the culture um, and and it's all about how do you include um, the wow through the service being humble and embracing change um, and it's it's got to be natural as well uh, and you should think about it when you're interviewing a new recruit and just sort of see whether some of those values naturally come through. Um, and also for existing employees, it's about an unconscious rather than conscious actions, I think is a is a good way of thinking about it. it. It really should just feel part of what you do. And once those principles are in place, they're going to drive the behavior of your organization, every member of your team. So I think that whole customer experience outlook is something that's got to be really embedded strongly in your purpose and your vision and also your value. So it relates very much back to the cornerstones section that we were talking about, Sam. Absolutely. And you, you said Zappos or Zappos. I don't know if that's a UK, US pronunciation thing. But one of the things they absolutely do is they have this, this approach where they um, offer you I think it's five, six thousand dollars now to leave. So when they recruit new people into their team, their customer service team, at some point they're going to offer money to say, "Hey, take the money and leave." And in in order to really ensure that they get people who are committed to the organization, committed to the mission, who basically reject that payoff and actually stay with the company. So there's mm. just one one way they build that into as you talk about the DNA and the values. Now the second step then is to understand which behaviors are here to stay or not. We, we have to accept that the health crisis of COVID has had a lasting impact on society, on culture, on economies, people's incomes, jobs, and expectation. 
So simply put, behaviours will change, have changed, but you have to be in touch with the insights and knowledge that inform what the new expectations are. And there's some interesting work from McKinsey who, who kind of break it up into four buckets of saying, listen, firstly, is that, are we going to return to the old normal, which are going to be less relevant experiences that may not sustain any real growth during the current environment? So food delivery, probably going to go back to the same levels that we had before. And then another lens is what it's exciting for now. So stopgap solutions that people are, are using, but they might erode over time. We've seen growth and then it'll probably fade away. So Zoom has grown from a $20 billion company in January 2022, $75 billion in May, June 2020. Uh, it, so in three months, they almost tripled their size. And Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, Blue Jeans, all these platforms have really risen. But Will the vaccine um, ensure that the same level of demand is there or will we retrench back to that old fashioned thing of meeting face to face and meeting in offices and things? So that reliance on video conferencing, maybe it's, it's not going to last as long. And an interesting one about the stopgap solutions is my own story of my local gym. Now I actually have to make a reservation to attend and it really does change my relationship with them in terms of potentially increasing loyalty and conversion. Now I'm actually thinking about the gym on a proactive basis. I'm more engaged. I'm reading their blogs. I'm reading other content. And you can link back to the prior episode on content and creativity. But it was a great communicative experience and a great experience when I physically went back into that establishment. You have to wash your hands beforehand. They take everything off you and uh, and, steril and sterilize it and clean it. They take the electronics and wipe it down. You have to wear a mask. You have to social distance. And they close between 11 and 1 every day and clean the whole gym. So with all of that, I'm thinking, wow, this is ex exceeding my expectations. But will that, will that last? And then the third lens is to think about potential new experiences which, which have momentum and potentially going to be the new norm. Things like health and well-being apps and services. And then there are these, the fourth lens is think about the accelerators, things which are really much better performing replacements for the traditional way of doing things, which are more effective, more efficient, they're cheaper, they're more flexible, and perhaps even a better experience. And telemedicine is a great example. You don't have to go to the doctors, you don't have to wait and sign in and travel and, you know, be kept waiting for 20 minutes. You can just jump on a, on a video um, telemedicine experience and actually do it in a fast a cheaper, easier way. And so all of that's happening right now. We've got to be aware of that. And so a shout out to episode 43 in how to turn insights into action. There's a detail plan there. We cover category and customer insight, empathetic listening, deeply understanding the consumer struggle and other more other pieces of the action plan, which are very relevant to this. Step three, elevate the experience and delivering a better product and service experience, which means a strong linkage to product management, to pricing, and what you offer in the marketplace in a really joined up way. So it's obvious that all of this flows from the performance marketing that we talked about in a prior episode, and the higher up funnel activities of content and creativity that you've created, again, from a prior episode. So that's definitely baked into your thinking here when you're elevating the experience. And there's some great work from Gartner. They have a framework on delivering that elevated experience, which I think is really helpful because it's all about driving the ambition of loyalty, satisfaction, and advocacy, but in a short, mid, and long term. So think about firstly, stage one of, of this framework, information I can actually use. So it's all about making that loyalty, that advocacy, and just 
making my basic needs satisfying me and re removing the irritants that get in the way. The next stage then would be to solve the problem when I ask for it, but actually do it fast. So at this stage, the customer's problem is the company's problem. Mm. That's how I see it. So you've got to move beyond the foundational level. Then the next stage, solve my needs well when I ask. for. So it means really addressing specific needs and wants, but doing that in a, in a really good way, put me in a good spot or even a better spot, perhaps. So it could be things like how fast you open up your bank account or the ability to cancel a service. Right now, it's quite easy during a COVID environment to cancel things and to turn things off. So hopefully it's going to be just as easy <laughs> in two years time. They're not going to make it harder for you. Then the next stage is provide what I need without me even asking for it. And that's the aspirational experience. And you've really got to have a good process and a good structure. Unfortunately, I just had a nightmare short trip to Governor's Island, which is just off of New York. We drove up. It's supposed to be a glamping trip, which is basically a posh camping experience. So you're going to be outdoors in nature, not really close to other people. And it's with a company called Collective Retreats. Unfortunately, just an hour after arriving for a three-day stay, huge thunderstorm comes in, 60-mile-an-hour winds, lightning and thunder. <laughs> we were exposed. Nightmare. Tent roofs were being ripped off. We had to be evacuated off the island and back to Manhattan. And we get back to Manhattan. There's a Lyft um, Uber just waiting right there to take us to a hotel, which they'd booked in advance for us. None of this was at, at our cost. And in 73 hours, we had a full refund in our bank account and a free night stay confirmed that they had offered us. Remember, this was a storm. This wasn't their fault, but Collective Retreats really took took um, took that seriously. But they had the whole process. The staff were mo um, were motivated and marching to the, to the beat. So they knew exactly what to do. And so thanks and shout out to Vanessa because we didn't ask for anything. They just knew how to take care of us. And that type of customer service Customer experience requires a real deep understanding and a real, real high level, great people being involved. And then the, the next stage is really about making me feel better, safer or powerful. That's the top of the pyramid. That's that exceptional service. And perhaps the example that I, I talked about met that level of customer experience. Yeah, that's, that's really impactful. Um, and uh, uh, I think sometimes you, you're relying on a personal instinct, aren't you, as well, when you're, when you're on the ground and going, right, how do I deal with this situation? And, and that's where the, the people culture comes through, I think, because there's, no, there's not going to be any rule book, is there, that said, right, what to do in, in, uh, in, if there's a storm. <laughs> well, actually, well, well actually, I think I think that's that's I, I'd push back on that and say actually that's they do have a process. They've thought about it in advance and they know how to delight you when things go terribly wrong and having the team and the staff to work together and know what to do. So actually, they've planned and practiced and rehearsed for it. So thinking through to that level of crisis management is actually what what will delight you when things could be at their worst. They know what to do. So it's having that thought. Yeah, and, and create that supreme experience. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a excellent example of that um and then step four is very much about the conversion funnel um and if you think about it actually what we're at some point trying to do is ensure that you've got an experience that makes you want to sort of purchase and carry on using sort of the services and and driving someone to that point is is, in, is important and and i think one of the things that uh, conversion funnels was originally sort of defined around sort of e-commerce journey so how do you move someone uh, someone from sort of advertising through 
to navigating the website through to actually finally converting to a sale. But it's now used much, much more widely. It's, it's seen as that, that stage of moving from sort of anticipation and engagement through to through to action. And I think one of the most important things when you're considering this step is how long you keep your customer in the journey. Uh, and there's, there's no easy answer for that. But one thing is for certain is that if you hold on too tight, um, they want to, they want to get out of the journey. So you, so don't make it impossible to leave. Don't bribe them to stay. Instead, incentivize them to tell you about the journey or come back another time. And I think an, an important part of every single funnel approach should be about building in a, a feedback loop. Um, as well, because you want this to be a, a virtual cir circle so that it, it's a positive impact every time by your understanding more and more about the, the audience. Um, and, and I think also, again, we get caught up with uh, the marketing terminology of, of sort of uh, using the word funnel, but, but I, I see it almost more like guide rails that you gently or not so gently usher your customer down as uh, help them move from that consideration to purchase. But as I said, you want to make sure it's a continual learning experience. So building in that feedback loop is important. And, and what I mean by that is, well, the obvious sort of external one that you can bring in is something like a trust pilot where you're measuring every step of the way, but also using your Google Analytics, um, looking at that funnel conversion sort of metrics and seeing where that is as well. And again, getting back to Zappos again, in terms of how you can tell you're delivering that wow customer experience, as they say in their own words, is you need to ask and, and ideally do that by capturing feedback in real time. The, um, they use live chat as, as a number of e-commerce uh, um, parties do to have that real time conversation. And when done, send up a follow-up email to, to every sort of customer as well. But as we said before, that you don't want that to become formulaic where suddenly every single interaction, you're just getting yet another survey coming out of it. You really want to sort of build that in. So the conversion funnel and that feedback loop is, a, is an essential part of a step, I think. There's a number of tools that you can use uh, to help you along that. Um, some of them, such as sort of click funnel, for example, allow you if you've got quite a root, um, a website which is sort of hard to manage or manipulate, then it allows you to sort of manage that flow through um, so sort of quickly and effectively. I've used that in a, in a couple of different uh, jobs, and and that's worked incredibly well. But at the heart of it, forget the technology. I think the important bit is that you're you're gently moving people along at their own pace and giving them the experience that they need. Step five then is about finding the value and sweating the incentives that you offer. There's some questions that I love from Deloitte and they ask you to really challenge yourself to say, well, what makes a customer valuable in terms of revenue, brand or promotion or low or high cost to retain? Which customers bring in the highest value or potential value and therefore you should invest more in your customer experience? And which actions, which customer experience actions resonate most with the customers and turn positively impact the bottom line, the company's bottom line. And so when you're thinking about that, then you've got to really define that value and know what that is for your organization. You've got to know who drives that value. Probably means segmenting your customers against the baseline and then having some metrics which you can you can use. If you're a brand like Sub-Zero, which is an appliances company, they made a lot of IoT um, investments and they're probably gathering data about how people are using their appliances, how products are performing. They can probably learn things about how to 
get customers to take earlier maintenance actions or service options or best ways to keep food at peak freshness for the food items or even how and when to bring people together to pre- precisely cook their meals. So that could be value that they could they could take advantage of or communicate to their customers. So you're, you're investing into the different segments and you're focusing on the moments that matter the most. And Amazon Pay is a classic example, which is really designed to give a seamless experience for customers so that they can buy, they can use their voice, and they can have payment and payment information already stored. So it's, it's less friction during the process, and it's immediately available during the checkout process. So that's an example of something that's valuable. And then you've got to track and enhance value creation throughout. So we just talked about Amazon Pay, which is designed to remove the friction because it it also from a vendor perspective so from a brand or company perspective why you might want to take advantage of it is that it helps you push through the conversion rates because it manages the transactions there's a data point that 70 percent of products that that get added to a cart actually don't make it through to checkout. So Amazon Pay helps reduce that friction. It can also help integrate the customers and brands' digital stores with their stores. There's fraud detection benefits and also 24-7 support, for example, for bad debt. So all of those things add value to you as a company and potentially to consumers. Yeah, good. I like that last example as well. I think that's, that's staggering, isn't it, when you think how many sort of products don't make it through to the final sort of credit card details as well and of course once you once you've actually managed to get your customers you want to be able to keep them coming back as well and and welcome them back in a in a compelling way and uh, and there's a there's a book written by a lady called Robbie Kelman Baxter had the pleasure of meeting at a um, conference in Boston um, last year and it's called the forever transaction and the the um, strap line is how to build a subscription model so com- so compelling your customers will never want to leave. And I think that almost sums up what, what I'm trying to get to here. It's not about holding on to your customers. It's not about retaining them. It's not about sort of lapse customers um, and making it difficult to leave or hiding the cancel button. It's about putting them in the position where they never want to leave and uh, the emphasis on the never there. And uh, there is, is no coincidence that the, the high rise of subscriptions um, and membership models um, that we talked about before, we, uh, we covered that in a previous episode and um, I sort of explained about how I'd been to sort of a subscription show in, in Boston and there was, it just felt like an awakening really, a, a momentum where a number of retention and marketing specialists were taking on much more senior roles in their organization and gaining more attraction. And, and that's also uh, borne out by the data McKinsey reported that they've seen subscription e-com markets grow by about 100% um, percent over the past five years, and, and that's 100% per year. And, and, and actually, um, what's, what's incredible there is that the size of the economy, these are much, much bigger organizations now. Things like Netflix and Spotify are obviously the, the um, examples there. So there's no coincidence that the subscription model has tied in with a, the greater focus on on retention and uh, and building that through, and if we bring it back to the customer experience, seventy percent of seventy two percent of customers, according to Esteban Kolsky, um, and we put a link to that analysis in the, the blog, will share a positive experience with six or more people. On the other hand, if a customer is not happy, 
13% of them will share their experience with 15 or, or even more. So that, that viral effect is, is incredible there. So, so what do you need to do? Well, you need to very much focus on that idea where you never want to lose a customer. So how do you make that fantastic experience? I, I think forget all of the, the talk around sort of retention techniques, which we could go through in, in a lot more detail and will. It, the, the point here is that it comes back to offering a supreme customer experience that feels like something that someone wants to belong to. Um, and, and as we said, that's a golden thread running throughout the, the whole episode there. So what's what's the one thing you should do tomorrow then when you, uh, you sort of think, right, how am I going to approach this? And for me, it's about role-playing the customer experience and making sure you use your own credit card to make the purchases, not a dummy account. It's amazing what you learn, and it's really important that it feels very, very personal. So you're, you're feeling the pain of that cash leaving your account. Um, that's a real journey rather than a test account. And make sure you do it collaboratively as well. Do it with the team. So, Sam, time's catching up. What what would you say the three key takeouts are of this session? Well, from this week's episode, the first thing is it's clear that customer experience is everyone's job. You've got to embed it into the DNA of the organization, the company, even if for small businesses where you're the founder, you've got to make sure everyone who you work with, everyone that you employ, everyone that you engage with really gets it. Secondly, focus on what actually is the true value. What's the value to the customer, the consumer or shopper? And then what's the value to your bottom line? You've really got to understand that. And then thirdly, stay with it. Complacency is a real blind spot. And so the idea of actually using your own money to buy your own product and what that experience looks like is a great torture test to know how good or bad your actual experience is. I love that. Complacency is a real blind spot. I think uh, I think that sums it up, um, which is which is good. So next week we're we're changing tact again. We're looking at the mindsets, the mindsets to put this into practice, and and the first one that we're looking at is about the growth mindset. Um, trying to think about what you need uh, again, whichever level of the organisation that you're looking at. And then the following week we're going to be looking at the transformation um, mindset as well. These are fundamental to make it work. So, so it's going to be good. It's a slight change in focus, but I'm looking forward to it, Sam. Absolutely, Chris. So until next week, have a great week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.